born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts. I want to cover some things in the book of Acts. And one of the reasons is because you're still here. I I didn't know y'all would be here today. The Lord took me, and he says, well, the rest of them didn't get to go. You need to go back down there and get them and uh, make sure that they're really saved. So uh, here I am. The rapture didn't take place yet. It could take place at any moment, any time. So, um, but until then, we just keep serving the Lord and keep doing right. So you turn to the book of Acts and understand that the book of Acts is a continuation of what Christ began to do and to teach. You see, the Gospels is the introduction to all this activity. So you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and God used Luke to write the book of Luke and also used him to write the book of Acts. And so... You read the book of Acts and it's activity, always action, something going on. As you read the book of Acts, it is the explanation on what Christ meant when he says, go into all the world and to preach the gospel. So I wonder what he meant by that. Well, you'll know what he meant by that, by what they did in the book of Acts. So as we study the book of Acts, there is one purpose in this whole book. And that is found in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So just look there in verse 8 with me, where it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Now, this is the purpose of the book. You and I, after we trust Christ as our Savior, are to be witnesses for the Lord. So, We know that from the study of the book of Acts, it's broke down into several things. And as you'll notice, the rest of that verse makes the statement, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So it's broke down as to where they are supposed to be witnesses. Now, in the book of Acts, there is... The Gospels that reveals the Father. And this is where Jesus Christ came into the world and reveals God the Father. Now, the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit revealing the Son. And so, as you study this, you'll come up with some mighty interesting things because the book itself, 28 chapters, divided up into two sections. 
And so I want to take and uh, just take this part of the church over here. Y'all are the first section of the book of Acts. Guess what you are? You're the second section of the book of Acts. So from chapter 1 to chapter 12, that's over here. And chapter 13 to the end of the book is over here. So there's a division in the book of Acts that makes it very simple and very easy to understand. I always like to try to look at it in a, uh, like as a survey, the basic ideas. Uh, you can study a lot of the little details on your own. If I tried to cover it by verse by verse, uh, well, it could take, you know, into the millennium to cover it all. But if I give you a picture, an overview, you can, oh, I see that. Oh, that makes sense. And then as you read and study it, you'll know where, oh, that goes here. Oh, that, that goes there. And, oh, that goes over here. And so it's kind of like prophetic survey, but we're doing it only with the book of Acts. Now, over here, understanding, you're the first 12 chapters. Over here, you're the other chapters from chapter 13 to chapter 28. And as you go through here and you read this, you'll find out that in the beginning of the book of Acts, even though it's a continuation of what Jesus began to do, it's written to one man called Theophilus. And uh, he was mentioned in the book of Luke and also mentioned here in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. But Jerusalem is the major city that deals in the first part of the book of Acts. So you're talking about a central city that is really foremost in the study of these uh, 12 chapters that we have here. And you have over here, uh, you have the city called Antioch, where they were first called Christians. So over here, you are Jerusalem, and over here, it's like Antioch. It's the central figure, or the city in which God deals with. So there's a division here. Over here, you have the apostle Peter is the chief speaker. He is the chief apostle. He's one that God is going to greatly use. And so he is over here, Jerusalem, and the people here, the first 12 chapters. Over here, you have in the last half, you have the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul is also an apostle. There is questions later that whether or not the apostle Paul was really an apostle. And so he had to defend his apostleship, and he does that very, very well. Now, over here, we go from Jerusalem until you get into the uh, outer parts of Samaria. Uh, over here, you're, you're going into Rome and outermost parts of the earth. So they took care of one facet, and then over here, the other part of the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So over here you have the Apostle Peter. And over here you have the Apostle Paul. First part of the book, last half of the book. The book of Jerusalem, city of Jerusalem, and Antioch. Now as you go through here, you'll find out as they preached the word to the Jews at the beginning, the Jews in the homeland rejected the word. Over here, the Apostle Paul also went to the Gentiles, but he also went to the, the Jews. And everywhere he went, he would go to the Jews. But as he went to the Jews, they rejected the word in the dispersion. So this was in the land, 
and this was outside of the land. Paul traveled to many places preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as a result of Peter preaching, he was put in prison. As a result of Paul preaching, he was put in prison. And so you find out that with Peter, at the end of his 12 chapters, there's a judgment upon Herod, and he dies a horrible death. Over here, you find that there is the judgment upon the nation of Israel, and the temple was destroyed, and the Jews were scattered upon the face of the earth. A lot of similarities as you divide the book in half, and you see how God dealt with the first responsibility to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, when we talk about the apostle Peter, Peter preached his first sermon in chapter 2. Now, Paul, he preached his first sermon in chapter 13. So, as they follow along, you'd be surprised at how close they were in just about everything that they did. You see, the Bible tells about Peter who healed a, a man that was lame. And as he was walking into the temple, it says that uh, there was a, a lame man there, and he was begging, and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he did. A miracle. Well, you see, one of the signs of an apostle was you had to be able to perform these miracles and to be personally called by God himself. Well, you'll also find out that the apostle Paul had a lame man that was also healed. And Peter, well, he had a sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer he had to deal with. Well, also you had the apostle Paul that had to deal with a, a sorcerer, Elamus. And he was a sorcerer. And they both had pretty much the same thing. You have where they had terrific power in their power, in their hands, or in their body, or a piece of cloth. The Bible says that Peter was able just by his shadow, if the sick could just get in his shadow, they would be healed. Doesn't that scare you? Wouldn't you like to do that? Just by him walking by, they could get in the shadow. The apostle Paul, he could have a handkerchief or a napkin, touch his body, and then they could... Give that to somebody, and they would be healed. This is where you have these charlatans trying to do that today, selling their virtue, their sweat. Oh, I've got the power of getting some of my virtue and order this. And I'll. The apostles didn't do that. They didn't charge anything. No money was involved. They didn't have to say, well, you've got to have your seed faith, your seed money. They didn't do none of that stuff. That's charlatans that do that today. That's your Hollywood shows that do all of that stuff making merchandise out of the people. These apostles didn't do that. But anyway, as you go through here, you find that there's a lot of similarities. And the Bible talks about how that Peter uh, laid his hands upon them, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul, chapter 19, talk about he laid his hands, and they received the Holy Spirit. A lot of similarities. You go all the way down through here. And as you know that Peter, well, he had a girl by the name of she was raised from the dead. Well, I wonder if Paul can do that. Well, below and behold, Paul did exactly the same thing. Uh, remember, one night he was preaching. He was preaching one night. 
And the Bible says that he preached long. I like that. He preached long, and while he was preaching, one of the guys that was sitting in a window fell asleep. This is a warning. (laughs) He fell asleep, fell out of the window, and he was dead. And Paul raised him again from the dead. Now, see, up until today, I've been letting some of y'all sleep because I couldn't reach you. I had to talk to them. But now I can come down there to you. I asked one guy one day, I said, would you wake up that person sitting beside you? He says, I will not. He said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. So that's, that's why I have to do that. The Bible tells us that Peter was put in prison, and then they were praying for Peter, praying for him to get out of prison. And God got him out of prison, and he shows up at the prayer meeting, and they didn't believe it was him. Can you believe that? They're still in there praying. The girl said, hey, Peter's at the door. He is not. Lord, get him out of prison. He's at the door. He is not. And they kept praying. He's at the door. Well, the Bible says that the apostle Paul, in chapter 16, he was put in prison. Remember the story of the Philippian jailer? And then at the end of his life, he's there in Rome, and he's in prison. So you find out there's a lot of similarities. And one of the reasons is this. Because, you see, one of the signs of an apostle was because they were commissioned by God himself, by Jesus Christ, commanded and to be an eyewitness of him after his resurrection and to have the power to be able to do all these miracles and so forth as a confirmation that God put his stamp of approval upon the message by all the miracles that they did. Now, God didn't do that for everybody. I don't have that power to do it, and you don't either. Now, Over here, we have the Apostle Paul. He was like born out of due time. In other words, before his time. Because what happened to him is what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. But it happened to him a little earlier. I mean, a bright light. And the Lord spoke to him, and he saw the Lord, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. And God said, I'm going to show you what great things you must suffer for my name's sake. And so, you have Paul beginning a ministry. And whatever Peter could do, no one questions his authority as an apostle. So if here comes another man and can do exactly what Peter did, well, he must be an apostle too. What would be the difference? He could raise the dead. He could raise the dead. By him laying on hands, they received the Holy Spirit. So did him. He had to deal with the sorcerer. So did he. And everything is exactly the same. God blessed And so God has a reason for why he does what he does. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of Luke in chapter 1. The book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. And look there in verse 1. Because God used Luke to write both of these books. And so he says in verse 1, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are more surely will surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. In other words, you're going to get a perfect account of what happened 
in order. And so he's writing this, and the Holy Spirit that now is re- in, in living. Remember, before Christ died, these guys couldn't remember anything. They didn't understand half of what was going on. It says that they understood not, they understood not, they understood. Now they got perfect recall. They got perfect recall. And they can remember exactly what happened because now the Holy Spirit is telling, write this, write this, write this. Holy men of God moved as they were guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of the book, though he used men to write it. But they're not the author of the scriptures. They're only the writers, the human writers. Behind the scene, the Holy Spirit of God dictates his word. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And now notice in verse 1, where it says, The former treatise, which was the book of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he had given commandments. And you read this in the book of Matthew chapter 28, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone and so on. So the command was given. But they were not to go until the day of Pentecost, until you were endued with power from on high. So even though... This was 2,000 years ago. God wanted everybody in all the world to know why he died. Why did he come? He came into the world to die on the cross to pay for all the sins of everybody so that everybody could have the free gift of eternal life. So that you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. It is not because I am good at all. I'm going because he is good. He paid for my sins. I didn't pay for one of my sins. All of my good deeds of all my life will never pay for one of my sins. And all of yours good deeds, all of y'all's good deeds all put together will never pay for one of my sins. Only Christ died and paid for sin. And when he paid for sin, he paid for how much sin? All the sin of all the world. That's why he says go into all the world and preach this good news. The good news is Christ died for all the world. And all they have to do to go to heaven, keep the idea how simple it is. All you have to do is believe that when Christ died, he did it for you. Now, is that hard? Is that complicated? That's not very hard. Let me show you that. This hand represents you and me. Uh, the wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin upon us. That means we've all done things wrong. But God loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. And he says to pay for what we've done wrong is eternal separation from God in hell. But God says he doesn't want us to go to hell. He loves us. So he wants us to go to heaven. But see, heaven is a perfect place. And if it's a perfect place... You and I have to be perfect to go there. Now, be honest. Are you perfect? Have you ever done anything wrong? That's why you can't go. That's why you cannot earn your way to heaven because you've already blown it. If you've ever committed one sin from the time you were born, one sin, you're guilty of all of it. Because the wages of sin, not sins, sin, is death. Eternal separation from the Lord. 
So God says you and I have to be perfect to go to heaven, and none of us are perfect. We have all sinned. So how can I get to heaven, and this is keeping me out of heaven? Now, the church, the church, any church cannot save you. It can't pay for your sins. No church can get you to heaven. No preacher, no priest, no anybody can get you to heaven. Because if, if they could, then why did Christ die? We wouldn't need him. Christ came into the world for a reason. Because you and I cannot save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. And because our sin separates us from the Lord. See, I can't get to the Lord. He can't get with me because sin separates us. So what did Christ do? Christ took all the sin because he didn't have any. He didn't have to die. But he took our sin. Now, when he took our sins, God, the Father, smit his own son because he had upon him the sins of the world. And when he paid for the sins of all the world, he came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what he did. You don't earn it, you can't work for it, and you can't buy it. It's the gift of God. When I was 18 years old, I heard this for the first time. I was not a religious kid. I didn't go to church. I didn't have, I didn't have to pay money because I didn't go. I didn't pray. But I was in a little old living room one night when a man explained it to me, and it made more sense to me than anything I've ever heard. It was a gift. It was free. I didn't know eternal life was free. I didn't know it was a gift. That all I had to do is believe he did it for me, and he would save me, give me eternal life, and I would get to go to heaven on what Christ did. See, if I offered you my wallet and you accepted, what would you have? Empty wallet. If I offered you my Bible and you accept, you'd have a Bible. Well, if Christ walks in here and offers you eternal life and you accept it, you would have eternal life. Well, if it's eternal life, how long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes, that's what it's about. See, most people think you have to wait till you die to find out where you're going. Well, you don't have to wait. God already says you're not going unless you trust Christ. Well, I did, so I can know I'm going. He said, these things have already written unto you that believe it, that you may know that you have eternal life. So can you know you have eternal life? Yes. How many of you in this room know right now beyond a shadow? If you die, you'd go to heaven. Let me see your hand. Or just or put it down. There's a lot of y'all in here. I hope all of you. But if you can't honestly raise your hand, it's because you haven't trusted Christ as your only hope of getting there. If you believe your good works help get you to heaven, well, you know that you may not, you know, live good enough for the rest of your life. So you'll have questions and doubts. But your works cannot save you. And that's why Christ died. Now he says, go into all the world and preach this gospel, this good news to everybody in the world. Now, the question comes down is, what is part of the main thrust of these people here in these first 12 chapters over here? Well, this is what it says. And I want to just kind of read this very quickly to you. In verse 3, he says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, the people he's talking to, they didn't know anything. Even the disciples. 
He wasn't talking to them about the church age. I don't believe he was talking about it. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom, setting up the kingdom upon the earth. You see, how do I think this? Why? Look in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of heaven or to Israel? So they knew the Lord evidently spent a lot of time, 40 days, talking to them about the kingdom, talking to them about him returning and setting up the kingdom to Israel, restoring the kingdom to Israel. At that time, see, they were under the iron heel of Rome. And so the apostles at the very beginning were looking for the Lord to come back. And I believe they were expecting him to show up at any time. But the Lord put it contingent upon Israel acceptance. Now, they rejected him as the Savior. Now he offers himself as the king. And they will still rebel against the Lord. Even after all the evidence is in, he told them about all the evidence and who he was and what he was going to do, and then he died just right on schedule, fulfilling all these prophecies. Now he tells them what else he's going to do, and now he says, preach the gospel. Now, I want you just to take your Bible real quick there and look in chapter 2. Chapter 2, look there in verse 22. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Peter is now preaching his first message. But look at what kind of a message it is. It's not a message about the church and building the church. It's about Israel. And what does he say to Israel? Well, he says this. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. In other words, you saw it. You were here. You saw what he did. This wasn't done in the dark, not hid in the corner. This was out public. And he even did all these miracles and so forth that he did and showed himself by many infallible proofs. And more proof that you could not fail to believe he has to be who he claimed to be. Besides, being crucified on the cross and coming back from the dead. That would have been enough for me. But now look what he says. In verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now Peter put it right on them and says, ye have crucified the Lord of glory. You did it. So were they guilty? Yes, they were guilty. Were the Romans guilty? Yes, the Romans were guilty. He died for me. I'm guilty. You see, he died for the whole world. But the Bible says this is, he came to you as a nation, and the nation rejected him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But then he says in verse 24, whom, the one you rejected, the one you crucified. See, Peter don't pull any punches, and I will not either. He lays it right on their doorstep, and he says, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. In other words, he was no longer responsible. The payment was made. He's free to come back again from the dead. And look in verse 25. There's five things that I want to show you very quickly. Number one, this man, this man in verse 25, Jesus is the subject of the Old Testament prophecy. 
And so he says, David speaketh concerning him. Who is the him? It's the same one up there in verse 22 and 23 and 24. It's this one that God brought into the world, did all these wonders and miracles and signs, and this is the one you crucified, him. David's the one that told you about him. David told about him. So you'll notice he is the same man that's the subject of Old Testament prophets. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.